I love you. Hey everyone, this is Albert Valentin, aka World Film Geek. Welcome to the fourth episode of the World Film Geek podcast. And we are here to talk about the 2021 reboot of the Slumber Party Massacre. The film debuted in September at Fantastic Fest, followed by a sci-fi channel original on October 16th. And it recently just made its debut in South Africa at the Horror Fest a couple nights ago. And today I have two amazing special guests here. So the first I have to introduce is Michael Lawrence Potter, who plays John, one of the guys in the cabin that Russ Dorn has uh, had uh, struck years ago. Michael made his debut in the film Triggered, and he is also the star of one of the stars of Ubatina Wethu as Brandon Thomas. And that was such, I've seen clips of it, and it's such a fun role, looks like. So, Michael, welcome to the podcast. First things first, it absolutely warms my heart that someone from Florida said Ubatina Wethu absolutely perfectly, man. Thank you so much. And it's, a, it's an honor to finally be on your podcast. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And finally, we have the man himself. The new Russ Thorne, Rob Van Vuren. Rob Van Vuren is one of the funniest guys I have got to see this year. I saw him in a bunch of clips on YouTube. you got to look his name up because he's got some really funny stuff, including a roast battle recently with Lisa Mendingo. He's also got the movie Vandermerve, Stone Cold Jane Austen, just in a few. But many in the States will know him as Swackhammer from Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. Rob, it is an honor to have you here today. Thank you so much, man. I'm uh, thrilled to be with you guys. Yeah, I'm excited. I love this movie, by the way. Slumber Party Massacre. I, I only saw it, I told you, Mike, I only saw it um, for the first time at the premiere in South Africa. What a joy. It was so cool. I loved it. Am I allowed to say that right off the yeah. box? I love this movie. Yeah, and I gotta say, a lot a lot of the reviewers I saw, they actually gave you props for your, your take on Russ Thorne. They were like, yeah, Rob Van Vuren did an excellent job as Russ Thorne. Like, he was, I'm like, this could be Rob's breakout role in the States, even though he's more known for, like, being the most, one of the most hysterical people I've seen on, I've seen. It's, so. a, big, it's a big cheat at the end of the day, because um, I just copied uh, Michael Villela's original performance, and that was the brief. Um, and his performance from the original Summer Party Massacre is so bizarre it's so unnerving it's so weird yeah and like when they were sent to me as a reference i was like oh wow oh fantastic i'll just do what he's doing and uh the jaw the eyes the high-pitched yeah. voice what a gift yeah i mentioned i mentioned this in the message board about you playing and i showed him a, a picture of you and they're and someone's like yeah they've got the right they definitely got the right guy here because he he kind of looks creepy that's what they said they said they did they got the right they got the right casting choice it was perfect they, 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 they couldn't wait to see you but uh speaking of the original i got it right here ladies and gentlemen. there it is ladies and gentlemen. very nice the original so let's talk about let's talk about the new movie um how did you guys get your roles like did you knew what you're going to go for right away or all right you have to ask rob this question first because his story his story is yeah i got here right yeah let's 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 how uh, rob became russ thorne first let's let's start with that well it was uh, it was just they sent the audition initially i actually read for um dave uh the 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 mechanic guy um and then they sent through why don't you please read for Russ Thorne um 
which I was really, really excited about. And they said, they literally sent the clips, uh, the original Michael Villela performance clips from the original movie and said, just do that. So, so I did, I just tried to as much to, to be him as possible. And I, I, like, I do have a physical performance background. So for me, it was it very much just tapping into this very strange physicality that, that Michael had in the original performance. And then also getting a hold of some um, BTS stuff from the original where he talks about his, his mindset and what he was trying to do. And he described the, the, the character as a peacock and the way he walked like a peacock and very animalistic. And the, he would describe how his toes kind of spread across the floor when he was walking, um, uh, which was just great information to have. And then I just kind of mimicked him and just kept kind of physically trying to feel in that, in that zone and not worry about I'm a psychotic killer. I just have to look like one. Yeah. Um, and I think my jaw helps because I've got a really like prominent long jaw and the cheekbones make me look kind of creepy, especially at these weird <laughs> angles. You know? Yeah, um, it definitely works. It works. They got they they made my face work. I made my face work with them making my face work. That's I'm awesome. just looking at myself. I can be a pretty scary <laughs> dude at times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You would have been great if you were hiding under a blanket and you had the face, like, just like in the original. Like, where the coach creeps up, the coach creeps up and she opens the blanket and he just, like, pops up with his eyes popping out like that. If I had seen <laughs> you do that, I would have been either jumping out of my skin or just cracking up. It would have, yeah. either way, would have worked. <laughs> well, that was one of the great things about the, the modern remake was, and uh, Danishka, the writer, was, Suzanne, was so into paying homage to the original and to the original franchise. So there's little Easter eggs throughout the whole movie where they're referencing, you know, sometimes shot for shot moments from, from the original franchise, which I think is so great. Yes, totally. Like the famous yeah. establishing shot of like the original, the girl is in between Russ Thorne's legs. And yeah, but this time it's guy, a dude. guy one. This time it was guy one. And yeah, exactly. That's what worked. You get to flip the script, script on this one. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. It's a real... Um, feminist statement actually this film which i think is like i'm so honored to feel to be a part of that you know yeah definitely so michael how about you oh man it was um it was such an interesting uh audition and such an interesting time in my life so like following following triggered i kind of like fell into acting completely by mistake um because it was just something that while i was an attorney i thought I don't want to learn how to play golf. I don't want to like do all these boring hobbies. I want to do stand up. I want to learn how to act. And um, I would go through, I'd go through these auditions and I got absolutely nothing for the longest time. And then Triggered kind of came along. And, you know, once you get the role and once you made the movie, no one else knows about the movie except for you. So I had to go back to my desk job. I had to go back to, you know, oh, being no. a, exactly. So I had to go back to being a collections attorney. And then in January of, of this year, all of a sudden, like, you know, the film releases and my life pretty much changes overnight. And I got the audition in with, um, with Bonnie Lee Bowman, an amazing casting director. And I used to work for him, but I used to work for, I was someone who used to run the castings, kind of compile the casting lists and all that. Mm -hmm. So to be on the other side of it, where I was now auditioning was, was uh, surreal. And now for me, um, I've always found that like effort always trumps talent. 
Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm of the I'm of the belief that like if I have talent, I don't want to know about it. I'd rather just like work hard for the role. So as soon as I got the as soon as I got like the sides, all I knew was okay. I need to get a pot, like a giant pot. And this guy's wearing a slum, uh, what's it, a crime bandits t-shirt. So I'm like, cool. First thing I did, I went and got a shirt printed out of crime bandits and got the no. biggest bad pot that I could find. And then just like basically practice doing the stunt falls and the lines over and over and over again. You know, because the, the sides that I got weren't even slumber party mascape. It was like some other code word, some other script. I get in there with about 50 other guys who look who look like me. And for whatever reason, I think the, the shirt and the pot must have just tickled them because I got through to the to the final call-ups. And then they were like, okay, now that you know that you're kind of in the in the zone, we're gonna give you uh, what the script actually is. And they revealed it was Slumber Party Massacre. It was a remake of the 1980s movie. I'm like, cool. And I'm good with research coming from a legal background. I'm like, cool, this is my comfort zone. So the first thing I do is I go to Starbucks, I open up my laptop and I boot up Slumber Party Massacre. And then I had to leave that Starbucks because the first five minutes of Slumber Party Massacre from the 80s is basically softcore porn. Yep. So, <laughs> Wait, I remember that from your reaction video that you did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I basically just, um, whenever, whenever you get a, and I've spoken about this before, but whenever you get a intellectual property or a franchise that has a long fan base, it's massive shoes to fill. So for me, it was like an idea of trying to reach out to like the original guys who were in Slumber Party Massacre. Didn't manage to get through to any of the guys. I managed to get through to um, two of the ladies who were absolutely stunning. And they kind of told me the process that they went into. And I think what was so fascinating is that I basically was essentially playing a scream queen, you know, which I think Danishka was so good at sort of flipping that on its head where the, the gents of the guys who were being objectified lack agency or a little bit airheaded uh but then you mold that with like a bit of toxic masculinity where they're kind of like oh we're capable we can do this where we're trying to beat off a murderer um with a drill using like chair legs and a guitar so i think a lot of it was just kind of like reaching into that self-effacing uh self-referential comedy while also treating it as like a real threat and yeah, I mean, I was actually on the set for Ubertina Wetu. I, it was the strangest month of my life. I went from being a collections attorney to being on the set of one of SA's biggest sitcoms to flying down to Cape Town to shoot my scenes in like three or four days for Slumber Party Massacre. It was genuinely the most incredible experience of my life. And just surreal to like sit down on set and like turn to my left like, oh, there's like one of my favorite comedians, Rob from Furin. Don't make a big deal of it. That's cool. You know, whatever. And then turn to my right, like, oh, it's Eden Glasses. That's, it was a lot to wrap my head around, but man, the process of getting there was just sensational. Yeah. I, I gotta say, the, the, in, speaking of that, the girls, you know, as much as we would love to be in there, they're not, they're not able here, but they, they were amazing in this. And I like that right. they, they went from, you know, what we dealt with the eighties with the whole, objectified to like kick-ass women in this one and you know it has you you shared a lot of the screen time with the girls michael and that was that was fun that was hysterical you know, my my daughter likes to recite the whole you're talking about russ thorn the russ thorn is alive like she she she's seen it and, re, and she repeats that like from time to time because she loved that's like her favorite scene of the movie man and that that honestly that honestly just like warms my heart because i mean like 
I think when I, I stayed up late and watched it um, on sci-fi when it was uh, when it was premiering, it was like three in the morning um, on my side of the world. Mm -hmm. And I just and I was I was live tweeting with Danishka. And the entire time I was just thinking like, man, I hope that like they we don't suck, you know, once again, it's like this, these huge shoes to fill. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the way this movie was received was just so humbling. Like we really were embraced by the horror fans, which I think like, let's face it, horror fans, not the easiest crowd to win over. Mm -hmm. And um, on the same weekend, uh, Halloween Kills had just been released. Yep. And it was actually the it, night before. Yeah, we actually got the night yeah, before Slumber Party Massacre. I, I think like, it's fair to say that the reaction was divisive. Yep. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to come for us. <laughs> this is going to be horrible. But no, I was I was pleasantly and really like surprised. I'm really humbled by how we've been embraced by the horror fans. Yeah, yeah I, I, totally, I totally relate to you, Mike, the, that sense of responsibility, uh, stepping into like the shoes of a franchise and that anxiety of like, oh, did we do it justice? Will the fans be okay with it? And yeah, the, the response has been amazing. And, and watching the film now, you go, yeah, well, it's great. It's, it's a great movie and it does, it hits all the horror points so well, but it flips the switch so well as, and it pays homage to the, to the series itself. And it's like feminist roots as well, because the original one did. I mean, you talk about those opening five minutes where it's basically soft porn, because uh, as we know, the original was written and directed by uh, Rita Lee Brown. Well. Yeah, Rita yeah. Brown was the yeah, and she yeah, and, then, and she had originally tended to be a satire, but it was yes. just, but then Roger Corman said, "No, we're going to turn this to a." Roger story Corman board. stepped in, and yep. he was like, and there was like a prerequisites, and some of that was you know showing boobs, and that opening scene was like is one of the most passive aggressive filmmaking kind of gestures where the filmmakers are just like, okay, well if that's what you want, yeah. We're not going to justify it anywhere. We're just going to do that. And then how, which I think is brilliant, a brilliant kind of like just showing it as it is. Like, this is what they want. This is what they're forcing us to do. And here we are doing it um, because the audience wants it as well. But then in this make, we get, we get that slow motion um, uh, uh, pillow fight sequence with the guys. <laughs> and <laughs> It is, and it's just like pure titillation for the female gaze. You exactly. Know? Like and that's completely objectified. The shower scene with Eden, it's just oh like, I was, I was like, this is brilliant. It's so, so brilliant. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was the big surprise. And I'm glad that they, they did do that because, you know, we're in the year 2021 now. And I feel like everyone has to be equal in this, in this case. And, you know, that's what makes this work. You know, um, like, I, like, I was, like me being a straight guy, I, you know, one would think, oh, you're going to be uncomfortable watching a guy in the shower. I'm like, no, this is a, it's a movie. And so we're, in, we're, in, we're in an age where we can, you know, it's totally acceptable now. So I'm totally happy. Yeah. About it. I was like, okay. Yeah, and, but it's and that was in cheek, you know, like, I don't know. If, just the, the energy in the in the audience. And Danishka was saying that the, at the um, premiere in, Ontario, um, in Austin, Texas as well. People were like whooping and shouting and screaming. And, and that's exactly how it was watching it in Cape Town because it is really fun to watch. You like, you go along with the ride and when they do flip the switch, you're like, yes, they're doing this. Just and great. That, and that's what, I, that's what I think was so incredible about it is that it was completely self-effacing of like the sort of thing of like, we know what we're doing. We know what this yep. is. And 
I think what was hilarious is like while we were live tweeting, uh, there was this guy who was a massive fan of the original to the point where I think he had uh, the guitar, the Driller Killers guitar, like oh, tattooed wow, on the bicep. Yeah. Really, yeah, really cool guy. But I mean, he was like going on about like, this is really funny, um, but I'm just sad that they're not doing a shower scene. I'm like, just wait, buddy. And then, <laughs> like, and then we got it. I'm like, yep, yeah, I told you. Yeah, I think and, I, saw, I saw one reaction from a fan said, um, it was a female fan. She said, best shower scene of 2021. And how can you, and how can you argue? I mean, like the thing, the thing, like what makes it even funnier is the fact that um, the way that Eden play, plays it off is sensational because like, I think if you know Eden, like Eden's like, he seems like very sort of like put together and demure, but that guy has the cheekiest naughty side to him. <laughs> and I think that, I think that when, you know, they, they like parts of it where he was like, I can't wait for this. This is going to be hysterical. And the way that I got introduced to him was in the in the what's it uh, the trailer when he was getting made up for it. Mm -hmm. So he's there with his uh, with his like sort of fake skin where the drill is going to pierce through, and his uh, no way of putting it, but his his friend was kind of locked up in a sock of sorts. Mm -hmm. Reaches out his hand as charming as can be. Hi, I'm Eden Clarson. <laughs> hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> That's awesome. I got absolute truth. And um, man, the guys were great in this, aside from Michael and Eden, you know, Nathan Castle. He was hysterical. His his, his he was like he was like supposed to be like the the big the toughest guy, I think, out of the group. Oh, yeah. That's what it seems for sure. And then the two guys, which again reference like one that most hysterical scene where there's two guys. No, there's four of you. That's like it reminded me of an Abbe Costello, Laurel Hardy, like classic comedy. That's what exactly what I thought of right away. Because I grew up watching that stuff. So I was like two fourths, you know, and that was funny as heck. Yeah. yeah so so did so did Danishka. Like obviously Danishka is uh from, from Canada. And she was talking about the fact that she wanted that to pay homage to like Laurel and Hardy or uh kids in the hall, like that real sort of like Canadian uh what's it sketch comedy yeah and i think what was so incredible was that um we had people like rob on set because i mean for me it's like most of my most of my acting has been either dramatic or like really sort of broad strokes of comedy where the situations are funny as opposed to the delivery is funny mm -hmm. so i think like rob i have to tell you it was an absolute honor to have you on set to like pick your brain and just like learn how the timing of comedy works learn how to like land your beats and stuff but danishka was also why are you asking me so many damn questions yes yeah, well, Rob, and, and Rob I mean, is hilarious. If, like I said, if anyone, everyone needs to just type in his name on YouTube and just pick any of the comedy bits he did. Because the first one I ever saw of like comedy bits he did was the xenophobia segment. <laughs> and that was, and that just made me crack up. But like, especially when it's, a, it's like a cocaine party when it was, except there's no cocaine. I was, <laughs> and the look on his face when he said that, I was dying when I saw that. <laughs> Wow, thank you. Thank you both. That's really um, humbling and beautiful compliments. And now all shy and blushing. Yes. <laughs> and that's, it's, it just proves my point. I mean, comedians can make great killers, hands down. Like, oh, you had Kevin James played a killer in Becky. Um, Robin Williams played a stalker in One Hour Photo. You know, yeah, and then yeah. Donald Log played a uh, killer Santa Claus in Silent Night. And, um, here we are. Rob is the latest comedian to take on a killer role, and literally, and he uh, he did it, and then some, in my opinion, he did an excellent job. So fun! It's such a fun uh, part to play. Uh, 
especially, you know, what I really loved about it was just the relationship between you, my, my body is that, as that ominous killer shape and the camera and that, um, watching something on Netflix of one of those uh, the movies that made us and they're talk, talking about Halloween and, and um, how uh, uh, he's, he's initially just described as the shape. In fact, in all the scripts, he's just the shape. Yeah. And I totally related to that because so much of, of the building of the tension of the killer is just this kind of ominous shape coming in. And, and that's got so much to do with your, your kind of spatial relationship to, to the camera. And I really loved like the things even where it wasn't even my face on screen, but like, you know, stepping with your feet and then stepping just past the camera and making sure the drill would kind of go right through the middle of the frame and things like that. And walking in with the drill coming in and when you step in and when you step out and feeling the camera around your shoulder for when that reveal is going to be, or I love that kind of stuff. It was, it was so much fun. I would totally do horror movies for the rest of my life. Anyone who wants to cast me as a murderer, I'm down. All right, y'all heard that. So any horror filmmakers who are listening to this, they're gonna. You better. I hope y'all heard that. <laughs> and I mean, thing- like, uh, let's face it. Uh, uh, the beginning scene of the movie is Russ Thorne apparently dying, and then we're kind of like dealing with him a few minutes later. So I don't know, man. I think that's. I think there's definitely legs on that. And something that you said, Rob, that like really, really struck me is your relationship to the camera. And the minute that you said that, the minute that I went back and watched it, I thought, I know exactly what you're talking about now, because it's just the way that Danishka framed every single one of Rob's movement. And Rob had this understanding of like where the camera was placed, where his like victims were placed, you know, like, so there'd be moments where he'd make himself like quite big with like the jaw. And there'd be moments where like the drill would be in between. It was just, and what's fascinating about that is that so many people on Twitter and social media have kind of drawn the parallels between certain frames of the original and frames of the of the re-release and it is unbelievable like the attention to detail just even like the positioning of people sitting down the positioning of the drill it's it's stellar and i mean even just the little knickknacks and easter eggs i mean the duck which is the original duck from the the first bedroom the guitar it's it's unbelievable like the level of detail that has gone into this yeah that's got so much to do with with danishka and her Mm -hmm. Her love, genre, her love for the the material, and and the the amount of work she put into it, like so so in control, so and not like uh, not like an intense kind of control, the most loose, relaxed control that I've actually experienced from a from a director on set. She just so. so so on top of it and in such a relaxed way that was and that filtered down through every department and it made it a very very comfortable relaxed set to be on despite the fact that we we shot that entire movie in 18 days which is like you know insane so we were shooting a lot it was the the pace was really really quick but it never felt rushed and that's got everything to do with Danishka and then also, very importantly, her relationship with, with our DP, Trevor, which was just the way they communicated was fascinating for me to watch. It was, they were never rushed in the way that they were communicating. They were never raising their voices. There was never like uh, anxiety or stress, even though we were all aware of how much, how tight the budget was and how tight the timing on it was. 
but they had just this wonderful rapport, this, this complete control over the material and what they were doing that made it just such a joy to be on. It was really one of the, the best sets I, I, I've been on. It was fantastic. That's awesome. And I got to say, Danishka is an amazing director. Um, I saw, I actually have the Banana Splits movie. Like that's the movie that that's the movie that got me into wanting to watch her stuff. And I auditioned for that one. I never got a part on it. Oh, yeah. you did. Wait, who'd you audition for? Wait, a minute. which role? Um, Don't tell me it was Stevie because you would have gotten a lollipop in the throat. I haven't watched the movie, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you. But I do know that he was crazy. I think he was crazy. Yeah, matter of fact, um, Richard White, who played Guy One, he played Stevie, the assistant, and he gets a lollipop to the throat. <laughs> and it extrudes out of his like his neck and in, in like the and it was so well done, man. That's yeah, Richard. Lot. Richard hey. says he still gets called the uh, lollipop guy on on Twitter occasionally. <laughs> That's why, yeah. Because of that, I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, my daughter, my fifteen year old, she loves that movie too. That's like one of our favorite horror films, and she's like, if you get to talk to the director, see if there's a sequel because I would love to be in it. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah she loves that movie and she did see some the slumber party massacre she loved it she absolutely loves it and i got my 11 year old to watch it i'm like i'm thinking okay she gonna watch this she watched it and she liked it too so you get you got a got a couple horror fan, films within the family so that works Probably. too so but uh let's talk about the ladies now because they were awesome i mean hannah um alex mila Rezatiana. Um, Francis, um, you know, I wish they could be here, but unfortunately, we're thinking of you girls. So we're just letting you know we are thinking of you. We're also thinking of Shlaine, who couldn't be here with us too, because I did, I did reach out to her, and she's working on a project in Germany right now. But uh, must have been a blast working with them. Unbelievable. I think I think what was so good between Rob and I is that we got to interact with them in such different ways, in the sense of that with uh, me and the ladies, it was a lot more of like sort of comedic one uh, like comedic interactions and like obviously hannah and i had like that very cool stunt scene man hannah can work man like she is she is quick and i think that it's it's one of those things that you it was like being in a big ensemble play where every single actor was just primed and ready and just so present and i think rob had a much cooler dynamic with them because he was kind of like this huge endear like you know like terrifying presence and just seeing the reactions between them, um, no, it was astounding. I don't think we could have asked for a better ensemble cast, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. No, they were they were incredible. I, I mean, I must say, um, uh, Hannah as the as the lead was so so strong. Uh, for a young actress, she had just so, uh, so such a wonderful presence and a calmness about her that was that was wonderful to be around, um, and also like it's such like a really hard worker really like physically like there you know I got to chase her around a lot and she she never tired she never complained she was always game giving her best all the time and phenomenal actress I think we're going to see see a lot more of her but you're right that like there's it is very much an ensemble cast and all the girls they complement each other so well and I think that's got to do with the writing because the writing is really good and strong the characters and it's funny so that you know you get all those dynamics playing up but the, uh, the acting the performances were just great um 
Mila Rain, her first movie, she's uh, uh, 16 years old, like just a fantastic performance. She was, she came to it like an absolute pro and you're like, oh. Yeah, she was, like, was great. Yeah, she was hands down. She was amazing. Yeah, she's um, so I did. I did mention she should. She should be in the sequel. If they do a sequel, she should be in it. She should bring oh, Alex back in the sequel. She's gonna oh, have a, a massive career. I think she's extremely, extremely talented. Yeah, I think um, where uh, Suzanne, Suzanne Kylie, and Danushka really nailed it with the female characters as well is that you knew exactly what each character was in regards to the story. They were very defined by their motivations their characteristics are like okay this one's the smart one this one's the funny one this one's kind of the one who's aggressive but what i loved about it is that with those kind of like very set piece um ensemble costs they also had this these shades of nuance where you have the smart one who's also very fearful then you have like the brave one who maybe doesn't think things through too much and then like what i loved about like mila's uh, changes Alex in the movie is that she starts off being very foolhardy and almost a bit condescending and as it gets realer and realer she's like oh okay now I'm terrified now and she reverts to kind of being that like 15 year old girl in this incredible situation yeah and I just think that every single one of those characters seemed incredibly real whereas alternatively with the men they were well written but they were well written to be bland moronic idiots which yeah. I think we know Let's be honest. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they were because yet, yet you were you were like the uh, even though you were kind of like the ringleader, you were kind of like um, the scared one. Like, okay, well, oh, I'm, just, I'm just being forced into this. You know, like my toxic masculinity is forcing me into it. You know, Eden you know. is the Eden's like the like the really like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. You know, like he was like that, and Nathan's like, yo, let's do this. You know, Nathan's like, I'm ready to do this, and then the two guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was like they were they were just like they were in their own little world as well because exactly two guys so but um one question i'd like to ask is uh, speaking of ensemble casts because um i know from your experience michael you did you were with the cast of trigger last you know a while back and um i talked to reyna and cameron and you know you guys bonded when you weren't shooting you guys did awesome had some awesome bonding experiences did was that the same thing with this film like when you were not shooting did you guys bond? Did you get to do stuff when you weren't shooting or? Honestly, we, we had very little time. I mean, we had 18 days of shooting and it was like back to back sort of stuff. But what I think was very smart is even the way that Danushka structured the shooting, mm -hmm. she made sure that like the guys had some time to spend some time alone that like me and Hannah had some time to spend alone before our scenes. So I think that what she, what she did is she kind of gave us the freedom to say, okay, you guys are at base camp. You know, what are you going to do with this time that you've been given? And I think, especially with the guys, we ended up being incredibly close to the point where there are a couple of videos I still need to upload of us playing like touch rugby in the touch rugby in the what's it, uh, in the base camp and giving makeup an absolute like heart attack because we brought all this prosthetic makeup and we we're passing like a rugby ball around <laughs> uh we had like a dance party at like three in the morning at base camp in between <laughs> supper and all of us kind of like really keeping very strong contact to this day like eden i consider to be one of my closest friends and yeah i think that we did make like immeasurable friendships that hopefully are going to last forever i mean i hope i see a lot more of rob because every time i get to hang out with them it's a lot of fun. So yeah, I mean, I think with ensemble costs, 
you are absolutely foolish if you don't decide to bond with this. I mean, you've, exactly. you have this collection, you have this collection of talented and passionate people under one roof who want to do the same thing, which is make a film. You know, it's just, it's incredible the friendships that you can kind of come up with there and then. And even just the process of filming was hysterical. I mean, the, the, the scene in which Russ breaks in and it's dark and there's like torch lights and there's feathers going everywhere was probably the most fun scene I've ever done in my entire life. Like it was, we were cracking up the whole way. Oh God, I was, yeah, I was in, I was in hysterics in that scene, just like the screaming, the shouting. You, I think it was, was it you and Eden who were hugging each other? Or was Eden and Nathan like, it was just- It interchanged, it constantly interchanged. <laughs> it was so, so great. Yeah, there was a very, very nice energy on that set. Um, and everyone got on really, really, really well. And there was the same, the same camaraderie that you describing amongst the boys. There was that times 10 with the girls, you know, because they spent that much more time with each other and they had that much more screen time. And they you could just see there was this really beautiful connection between them and they all had each other's backs and they were all so good, you know that's the secret to a great ensemble movie is you, you can't have any weak links and, the, and it didn't feel like they, they were, they were great. Uh, uh, you know, we've mentioned uh, Hannah and Mila, but Francis and Alex were just as good. So such professionals, so like, so nuanced in, in everything that they did. And the, and the, the girls in the, in the first kill in the, in the flashback scene. Yeah. Oh, little screen time, but they make it work, man. They just like, was so on it. And it was amazing for me as an older actor in the cast to watch all these young people come in there. And I know like, we don't have a lot of time. I know that there's pressure on the schedule. And, and, I, and, I, and I just see these kids come in and they, they don't show any of the pressure. They just nail it every single time. I was like, wow, okay, these, they're good. I better up my game. Yeah, I gotta- Yeah, definitely. All right. With- yeah. So let me ask you, let me ask you guys this one. What would you consider the, the best kill of, the, like, your favorite kill of the movie? Ooh. Sure. I got, I got one in mind, I'll, but I want to I hear you guys first, see if we see if any of us agree with each other. Though. One second, I've got, um, my, my daughter's having a play date and her friend's granddad is phoning me. I have to call my Bijou. Um, Sienna's granddad's here. You got to let her in. Him in. Sorry. No, you're good. This, this is the great thing about live podcast, guys. We get to have uh, some fun stuff here. Because earlier before, my dog was barking down. So I don't know if anyone heard that. But, it was mine. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so we're all good. My daughter's passing me um, miniature pancakes and little... What is this? A pizza? pizza. <laughs> nice. Lucky. That's cute. Tiny. Tiny. That's cute. That is fantastic. I think my favorite was the... Oh, it's actually hard to say. My two two favorite kills. Okay. That's your favorites. Um, through the neck. Of uh, Jackie, right? Was that the, the, yeah. the opening? Yes, in the opening. Yeah, that was Jane's great. Character, Jane's character, yeah. Such a great kill. Um, and uh, and also just seeing the prosthetics involved in making that. I've got this great picture of the, you know, they did this wonderful mold of Jane. And there's like this, just this kind of, head and shoulders and then these tubes going up with all the blood and stuff and clint the guy from cosmesis who does all the prosthetic stuff and he's i've worked with him for years and lots of different projects and they are 
incredible. They're so good. That was definitely one of my favorites. And I love seeing the behind this, how they make these things. You know, I love seeing that. Oh, I love that. I, I love seeing like the special effects stuff. That's like one of my, that's okay. my favorite thing about horror films. Let's see how it's done. Yes. Yeah. Like, you, you see the effect, but then you see how did they do that? Uh, I love that. And then um, the guitar kill. Yes. That's the, that thing. Sean, oh, Sean's death. Yes. That, so great. that was awesome. All right, Michael, what's your favorite? Well, I love, yeah, well, I mean, I was saying I love that kill of Nathan just because I, we were laughing. We're like, wow, Nathan, we finally found the one picture of you where you don't look hot. You know, so that was, <laughs> so that was a nice change. But I'm going to have, a, I've got a little bit of an obscure one. I think when Russ Thorne gets taken down, spoilers, but in the, oh, oh, we're okay. The movie's been out for like a while now. So we, we're just going to let, we're going to let them because, out. Because I remember, I remember like reading the script and then seeing it in the movie. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, hold on. It's like, we're, we're like 38 minutes in. How's this happening? And I think just the way it happened was so like, it was, yeah. it was insane. Just that it's, final, but, but I love you. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you almost feel sorry for him. Almost. But then I think that just took me by utter surprise. I will not believe. And I think that's what, I think that's why it resonated with the horror fans. Cause it came out out of nowhere. Like yeah, it's just like a, like we're only like an hour into the movie and he's already so what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Like I was even I was shocked when I first saw it. I'm like, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 wait, look, wait. When I read the script originally, I was like, wait a minute, this can't be right. Damn it. <laughs> and what I love and what I loved about that is that it sets up my second favorite kill, which is Russ, unfortunately, when your mommy when your mommy passes away, man. Like, because yeah. what I loved about that is that the tone of the film changes in the sense of that the it, i don't want to say i don't want to say it's like a little bit irreverent in the beginning but it kind of is you know it is it's got that like horror movie feel but because the girls have agency and they know that they're going to make it out of it you know you kind of have that sort of fun summer blockbuster sort of feel but everything after russ dies is incredibly sinister yeah and it's like really like claustrophobic where like the girls have no idea what's going to happen and just how like russ is kind of like this saturday morning cartoon villain to mrs thorne who is incredibly sinister and like it like the fight scenes and everything are so visceral and so real i think that the the two villain kills for me are my favorites just because i was going to say the eden's the the shower kill is also just Mm, unbelievable That was great. The way that was executed was. And amazing. it comes out of out of nowhere. You've got this light m- moment in the shower, and then it's just so brutal. And we have to make special mention of Jennifer Stein, who who plays. Yes. Oh my gosh. We're Jennifer. We're thinking of you too. If you listen to this, we're thinking we're, we're thinking of everyone who couldn't be here today. But we're all thinking of yeah. you. Yeah. Because. Yeah, she we'll get them is on the next one. just like um, the most phenomenal actress. I've, I've been lucky enough to work with her a lot on stage and she's a legend in in this country and um yeah she kills she definitely kills that part it's it's mm. fantastic yeah yeah rob rob has worked with his share of legends i could say that like ian roberts yeah. is your dad in vander merve that was tops right there <laughs> you know you called him pod he's like don't don't don't, tell him, don't call me that it's never been proven <laughs> like I, I still crack up at that every time i hear that <laughs> what's happening Someone started fighting. Uh-oh. Sorry. Did okay. I interrupt 
but yeah, but uh, yeah, my favorite kill is uh, yeah, I would say the uh, Sean's kill, Sean's death was my favorite one, just the way it was executed, and you know, all I see is his head spinning. The first time I saw the promo, like it was like so fast, I thought you were actually holding a weed whacker to someone's head. <laughs> I realized like, it was actually Sean's head like spinning around. <laughs> so when I did my promo reaction, I'm like, is that a weed whacker? Is that someone's head spinning? The amount of blood that was squirted into my face and my eyes during oh, that. Boy. Yeah. Yeah, you even had clam chowder like in your face and <laughs> in the opening. So that was that was pretty funny as well. Like, like what are you gonna throw at him next? A, an apple pie in his face? Like, what's next? <laughs> I was gonna say, I think 90% of the fake blood on that set was either all over Rob or all over Mila. Like you, you guys were constantly covered in fake blood every time I saw you. Uh, the makeup artist said that that Mila was the one with the most blood on her. I think I, I, believe, can... I can believe that. Yeah, yeah. After she, after she murdered, well, she didn't murder me. She was a little bit after the fact, but oh yeah, she just like ran out screaming like ah. That scene, <laughs> that scene is still one of my favorites. Along, like my favorite line of the entire movie is still. Well, he's not going to get any less dead. One of my favorite lines was um, was when the girls come into the cabin and Reese, oh, where, did we nurture Reese? She's so funny in this movie. She's so, so funny. And she's got really great, great feedback online as well, which I think is so well deserved. Um, but when they when she sees the big shark jaws, oh my gosh! <laughs> from the lake, and this from the lake, and like my mom's like, no, it's a shark. She's like, I know. <laughs> yeah, but and my, my favorite one of my favorite lines was um when Dana when Dana tells uh, John you should not go out there with them, and then he just like brings up. Well, yeah, but my toxic masculinity is kind of like forcing me into it. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> and then I like the fact that Rob took the original lines from the movie, and unlike Michael Valella, who like put them on one one like whole jumbo block, Rob does it sporadically, and I think that's what made it more gave that more tension. Like he just like sporadically. In our writer making good choices. Yes, definitely. I think what was so interesting about those lines is that it was very telling about, um, you know, it was very telling about what Russ Thorne's character was like in the sense of that you hardly knew anything about this guy. Like you knew that he killed people. You knew that like he had been around for a while and you knew that he loved that double denim. But I mean, that's all you knew about him. So like, they were like these little, they were like these little, um, like breadcrumbs of like is he is he developmentally challenged or is he making these choices on his volition like and i think that that final sort of crux where the mother would say you know how you know you guys were tempting him if you hadn't done it he would have just left you alone and you yeah. go oh you're from a crazy family this is a family business kind of thing and i yeah. think that just puts so many layers and just although it kind of gave you a nice foundation on this character it left you with more questions than answers, which with a horror film, I think is always the best way to go. Like if you leave the cinema going, wait, what? You know, in the best possible way. And I really felt that with Russ Thorne where I'm terrified of him, but I have no idea what his motivations are in the best possible way. And I think what was really cool about his presence is you never felt overexposed to him. 
in the sense of that I felt like I was watching the first Jaws in that you hardly ever saw the shark, quote unquote. Right. And yeah. you didn't know what, but you knew what the shark was capable of. And I think that that was just, man, Russ Thorne, good villain. And um, the, the number of people who sent me pictures of them dressed as Russ Thorne for Halloween. Rob, I'm gonna send you a few photos, man. It's it's hysterical. You've got a yeah. you've got a, you've got a legion of terrifying. You did, man. You did it, man. Rob did it, man. <laughs> I thought yeah. of going restaurant to Halloween. Actually, I was like, Fuck, I can actually go as myself. <laughs> My my funniest is he he rocked up to the festival in a denim jacket and I went like oh like I wasn't like ready I'm like oh no <laughs> the actual jacket from the movie I kept yeah, the actual jacket I oh that's it. awesome this jacket please so it's a uh, very sentimental item of clothing for me now I always think of Russ Thorne when I put that denim jacket on yeah I got I gotta yeah. say my, Michael. Michael's mention of double denim was the most was the funniest thing I saw in his reaction video when he saw the original movie, where he go where he goes double denim in a in a drill. That's two red flags. Watch out for it. And I was like, I I just lost it when I saw that. I well, like, I, actually, I actually I actually have a theory about that that I think our costume designer needs to explain because think about it, Russ Thorn double denim. My character, who we can agree was a bit of a jerk denim shirt mila who turned out to be crazed and stabbing a dead body over and over again what's she wearing denim jacket i'm just saying there's something there that we need to talk yeah about. there's there's yeah there's that connotation so uh horror directors um you might want to use denim next time that's what we that's what we pretty much want to say here that's awesome so i know you guys saw the like the original or parts of the original. did you ever see the sequels the original sequels number two or number I, three I saw Slumber Party Massacre 2 for the sole fact that I'm I'm like a big lover of like the greaser look. Like if I'm not in a suit, I'm usually in like a, a leather jacket or something. And I saw this guy with his guitar and that goofy little dance like that. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what this is, but I must find out immediately like everything about this. And I actually really enjoyed Slumber Party Massacre uh, 2 just because I think that it, it like, many sequels it kind of goes one of two ways it's either like we're still finding our feet or it's okay we know what we're doing and we're going to lean fully into like the self-effacing self-referential side of it and yeah i actually really enjoyed slumber party massacre too like there was something very charming about it and very right. strange so I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to watch it then is that what you're saying Mike? yes yes you, you gotta see you it watch it man like there's no Rust Thorn. What's the point? Come well, on. he's 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 supposed to be like a reborn Rust Thorn because mm. um, the lead character in Slumber Party Massacre Two is Courtney, the sister of um, the little sister in the first movie. So she's wow. the, she's now grown up and she's now a musician. So wow. she, she joins a band, but then she has nightmares about apparently Rust Thorn, but reborn as a rockabilly type yeah. with a guitar with a drill bit at the end. I've seen the clip. I like selected a, a couple on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, that, yeah. that like if you if yeah. you think that like Michael's movements were weird, this guy's dancing and shucking and jiving, but while stabbing, <laughs> it's I can't describe. Just go and watch it. Like I can't yes. do it justice. It's phenomenal. Rob, it's Rob. It's to a point where he has a song and dance number before he kills someone. That's that's <laughs> like the highlight. Okay, I gotta watch it. I gotta watch it. I'm yeah. Sorry. So if I were to if I was to rank the the Summer Party Massacre franchise, including the new one, like number two is still like my favorite one, but the new one, this one is my second. Like, 
but very close, like very, very like I would say like point zero 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 one because incredibly honest of you. Um, you're supposed to just say that ours is your favorite, but uh, well, you're, well, when it comes to the actual Rust Thorn, you are now my favorite, hands down. Like that's I will say that because take that. Yeah, because the original original is like num- the next one down, and then the third one, it was just like a run yeah. of the bike. You know, third one was just. I but, think the scariest thing about the third one was the main villain's um, '90s middle parting. Like he looked like something out of he looked like something out of Dawson's Creek, like coming to kill you. I oh, I was, thought I thought I thought of uh, it's Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell killing people with a drill. Perfect. There we go. There go. Way better. Run. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> like we got Zach Morris's stunt double. As a, as a killer killer, <laughs> that's what I thought. And he wants blood. Yeah, for like the craziest reason imaginable about his uncle. So, but uh, yeah, the second one is like my favorite, like my favorite one because, especially the way he talks when he the way he comes out and talks, he's like, "Come on, baby, let's rock and roll." I was like, oh, come like, on. That. like the way he, that's what, how he what, talks. What was that? What was that one where you corners the girl in the bathroom? Hey, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> or where he sneaks he sneaks up behind the guy in the car. He's like, This one's dedicated to the one I love. And then he drills him through the back. <laughs> what I love what I love about that, and I think that there's no way Dinoshka didn't do this on purpose. But when Nathan is holding the guitar and he kind of slicks his hair back, I was yep. like, Wait a minute! You look very much like the like the villain in the second one. Man. Yeah, the craziest thing about that because I saw this, I was watching this um, other video that it was a kill count for it. Um, it turned out the guy who played that driller killer, his father was the founder of Little Caesars Pizza. So I'm like, what? Yeah, it turned. Yeah, his That's father so was weird. Yeah, it's like such I such a weird connection on that. And he also and- like yeah. When is Little Caesars the pizza that they get given with where he gets the the drills in the eyes? Yeah, no, no, no. This was no. This no. is an actual. This is actual like pizza franchise here in the U.S. It's uh, called Little Caesars. Little, it's, little, actual, it's, little, it's little, it's little, like um Julius Caesar type. He goes pizza, pizza. But the <laughs> the guy who founded that, his son plays the driller killer in Slumber Party Massacre too. Wow, I think there was actually pizza adverts during the the sci-fi screening from what i remember like the adverts were all very slumber party masker-esque where they had just had the pizza party and then the first commercial was i think i don't know if it was little caesar i think it might have been papa john's yeah everyone on twitter was just being hysterical like ready they're doing a pizza advert now (laughs) (laughs) i know it's so funny funny. it's like a big i think if 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 they had done like uh if they had done like a a hardware store advert i would have just lost oh that would that just would have been too perfect now yeah that was was pretty funny but uh yeah so and this is this i'm just having too much fun right now with this because this is just crazy oh oh wow you guys like this this is a lot of fun it's good to talk about yeah so uh yeah so it's uh it's a great i mean this is a hands-down great movie I do like that third that third twist in the third act. I mean, uh, some people bashed it. They were like, "Oh, it's too much like another horror movie." We all know which one we're talking about here, Friday the Thirteenth. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it still worked for some reason. I felt like it still worked. I, I thought it was a nice little twist to the story. Yeah, and I think so much of the choices are also about you know uh, paying homage to to the these traditions within the genre as well so 
I, you know, I think that's also a lot of the time that's really um, they're doing that on purpose is, is making these choices that kind of sit within the, the tropes and traditions of the genre itself and, and having fun with that and subverting it at times and sometimes just paying homage straight up. So, yeah, I, I, I liked it. And, I, and it's, um, I think what it really helps with is the pacing of the film. You know, and the, and the choice to kill Russell at that, you know, kind of three quarters of the way through. Mm-hmm. And then, it, you know, you think, well, what's going on? And then the pace picks up again. It, it makes it really, really watchable. It's, yeah. um, it just flies by because it's just, it's just got this lovely, lovely pace to it because of those, you know, those three definitive kind of acts where big, those big turning points happen. Yeah, and I, and this one's longer than the original. The original is only like seventy five minutes long. This one is eighty six minutes long. So that's that's what really helped too. As you mentioned, the pacing. Yeah, so that that really helped as well. You know. Yeah, it goes it goes, it goes by at a lovely pace. You never feel like okay, what's what's gonna happen next? It's just like, it never felt it never felt feels like it drags, which I think that a lot of horror movies. Um, Occasionally, you get to the third act, and you're like, "Oh, okay, we get it." Like, yeah, there's a murderer, and I think that there was something so breakneck about this, um, especially the first kill that Russ does on screen mm-hmm. is so brutal that it really establishes that, okay, this is a threat to be taken seriously. I'm terrified of this guy, and the the introduction of the the first goals, I really liked it because it you immediately these characters are incredibly nuanced in that the first discussion they're having is oh my boyfriend cheated on me and one of the girls is like yeah it was me and i think that that immediately creates stakes and it immediately creates this nuance where you're like oh damn these are real people whereas a lot of the time you watch like horror movies and you'll hear the dialogue and you go no one talks like this what what am i watching here and i think there was something something to be said about creating very grounded in reality characters Mm -hmm. a fast pace and what i loved about it is that it goes between being incredibly grounded in reality to a very like wink and a nod like yeah this is ridiculous and we're just gonna let it be ridiculous and i mean it works it was a very enjoyable experience yeah and it should be mentioned that the characters names of the first girls is actually based on the original film so that really that really works as well so that's what made it even more interesting that and if you take what i love is like they pretty much nailed a lot of the likenesses like if you take a look at jane Mm -hmm. and the character she was supposed to play in the original Mm -hmm. like like no one quite looks like jane but it's pretty close and i was like that is that is some attention to detail right there but then with the new ensemble what i love is that there's like passing resemblances but for the most part it's a like a hard reset and i think that Man, the casting, they nailed the casting. In my oh, opinion. definitely. They definitely nailed the casting. Yeah. But I, 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 and I got to say this, one of the funniest scenes, one, one of my, one of the most hysterical scenes is when Alex is playing with that little figure at the store. Like, oh like that, part, that was, I got to mention that because that was the most, that was like the, that was, it had to be like one of the funniest things about the movie. And I, and I like Jennifer's response. So you're going to play with Penis Man or you're going to buy Penis Man or what? It's like, yeah, she's obviously. just like, like, <laughs> Like that had to be met, like, because that's the whole thing with the whole feminism thing, like, you know, just the whole, you know, phallic type thing, and, you know, Russ getting clam chowder on his face. And yeah, yeah. and it was into that stuff so well. And 
uh, both comedically and it's it, you know it's it's social commentary and it does it in such a such a br brilliant way and um yeah I, I like what you were saying michael how they they change i think that danishka and suzanne really like walked a wonderful kind of tightrope between um you know uh, uh the laughs and the horror the like the stakes being really high and then being able to get like a, a big laugh out in a moment that feels really terrifying but then finding the comedy in that moment as well and Absolutely. into like really honoring the 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 genre but at the same time then kind of flipping the script on the genre and it's constantly doing doing that thing and it, and it never feels forced in in any direction or kind of off balance which i think was a really incredible feat actually it's difficult to get that right right and then also speaking of hannah you know ha being ha you know, hannah um that's that's another thing that kind of like in a way flipped the script because in most films you always see people of color getting killed like first or some point yeah, in the movie, yeah. they're always going to get killed but yeah here she is and you know she's you know she survives it and i think that's that's another brilliant um, thing that yeah. they did yeah and, and I think what was also um, what I loved about the fact that they didn't, um, they kind of left it open to interpretation, but the very LGBTQI plus positive um, sort of message yes. and like the kind of friendship between, uh, between Hannah and Frank's character was, was really like sweet and really nuanced. Because I think a lot of the time with romance in, in horror films, it's either like, hammered to death or it's just so lacking in substance that you never take it seriously but there was something so tender and so sweet about um when they're kind of holding each other's hands in the car um francis's character's got this giant spike coming out of her chest mm -hmm. and where she just said something as simple as i've got you or i've got this and you're just like oh, that's like really yeah, sweet like, or, or she's or she's wiping the the food off um yeah and it just it created that was another one yeah yeah see and you're right. It is it, it is very tender, and it's not hammered to death, but it, but it just gives it this other other layer. And they play, both play it so beautifully. It was yeah, I loved that. I really loved that detail in there. Yeah, I felt that that was important. Yeah, and and Mila mentioned something like in if they do a sequel, they should have them returning, but as as a married couple. Absolutely. Like, like Mila mentioned yeah. that in a in a tweet, and she said uh you know, for a sequel, like have Alex doing witchcraft and bring Rob back as Russ Thorne, but you know, yeah, I'll time. come back and yes. the, I think the, I think Rob needs to come back. Yes, yeah, I, and I think by, I think by then I've I think by then my character's already like gone on like a million podcasts, probably like written a book, and he's like I survived Russ Thorne, <laughs> and then now the the girls would probably have some things to say about that. Like, oh, how exactly did you survive? <laughs> you know, yeah, coward. And I like we'll this. see. We'll see. Yeah, it's funny as um Kelly comes up with. Yeah, it was funny as a few months ago I spoke with uh Cameron Scott. We did a we did an mm -hmm. episode together and um I mentioned that you were in Slumber Party Massacre and he's like, Yeah, they actually sent me the script and uh you know I wasn't really into it, but yeah, they wanted me to audition for John also. <laughs> they actually told me that every time they love they like Cammy and I are always chasing each other, man. It's a that's because you guys beat each other up in that short film jaw, which I finally saw like a couple weeks ago on YouTube. Oh, yeah, you yeah, two yeah. were awesome in that, like hands down. Oh, man, well, the thing the thing about working with Cammy is that you've got yourself like the safest pair of hands, like whatever Cammy puts his mind to. It's gonna, it's gonna fly, and I think any opportunity I get to work with him is just an honor. So, yeah, you know, I hope he's. I think he's in Bay Lake in California right now. So, Cami, yeah. hope you're doing good, man. And yeah, no, hope to work with you soon. 
yeah. So you heard. I hope I hope he does hear this. And you know, you two should work with Raina again, like together this time, like mm-hmm. not separate. You guys need to work with Raina as well because she, you know, she's in. She's as we were talking about earlier before we recorded. She's such an amazing actress and filmmaker oh, yeah. now. You know. Yeah, yeah, I think I think she she's definitely got like um, I always laugh with her that she's got the chops to be like the next Lynn Ramsey, like one like one of those like very serious, sadistic um, like horror films like made with that very very strong uh, feminist presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, can't say enough nice things about Raina. Yep, and you know so, I agree, and I agree we should all be in a movie together that she can yeah, make, right. direct it, and be in it, and then we'll we'll take whatever part she'll give us. Of course, man. Yeah, she'll say you play this, you play this, you just you just run with it. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. But I gotta say, um, South African films, man. I've I've been a huge fan for, for a while now, you know. But trick triggered really was the catalyst for like me really delving into it. And uh man, you guys have probably one of the best like film industries in terms of I have not seen any diva moments from any actors there. You all get along really well you guys are like the horror film community like i was talking to a director a few years back and he's like the horror film community is like a family so it's like you guys are now welcome to that family with this one if no one welcomes you I'm, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to go through me because that's but they, they uh <laughs> the things i love most about this movie is it's it's introduced me to this the subculture of people that are such an incredibly loyal audience and i mm. i just love I love I love the horror peeps, man. They're so great. Yeah, yeah, we're like we're all the we're all the weird cousins from different families, like collected into one beautiful, strange community. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's been incredible to kind of like have this exposure to um, the horror world uh, to the point where um, one of my favorite uh, wrestlers is Shotzi Blackheart, and she's a massive horror fan. Mm-hmm. And to have her kind of like message me and say how much she was a fan of the movie I was in was wow. unbelievable dude i'm a fan of you what are you talking about like you're the star here but it's just incredible like if you if you work hard and you like have the commitment to the to the project that you're doing especially if it's horror they'll follow you man and it, and i think that i'm so humbled and so um appreciative of everyone who gave this film a chance and i think that I think it must be said sci-fi really gave us like one of the best platforms to succeed, like debuting it like the week before Halloween at like the midnight slot on the Saturday. I mean, they gave us every tool to succeed. And I really am so thankful to everyone at, at sci-fi, everyone at blue ice. I mean, man. Yeah. That's that's the one thing when it was, when it was first announced back in April that there was going to be a remake coming out and they said sci-fi original, some fans were really skeptical because at the time, I think they were watching the old sci-fi channel when they would cut down everything. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, when I saw the Banana Splits movie on sci-fi channel for the first time, I'm like, okay, they included the gore. So I know we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah, I'm, gl- and I'm glad they did that. They didn't, they didn't, you know, they only edited, like the most thing they edited was Eden's butt. They pixelated it. But other than Which that. Which is a travesty. Yeah. And then, a travesty. Then, and they did the clap. We got, we got the to see the cloud. outset. We got to see the uncensored one at the festival. My word, what a breathtaking! <laughs> but but uh, I like the fact that they did keep the gore. They kept the they kept the language there, you know. So yeah, I agree. They did. I think Sci-Fi did an excellent job this time around, and uh, I'm glad that it 
finally got exposed to it because we got heart. There's some horror films that were announced and they're still waiting. Like mm. last year, Trigger was, you know, that looked like it could have been a Halloween release. And we got it in the States two months before South Africa got it. We got it in November of 2020. Did, yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah. like, why'd you release it now? Why couldn't you release it around, you know, around Halloween? And, um, but, you know, so I don't know if it gained much traction, but I, I, for one, like I said, it was one of my favorite movies last year. And, yeah. you know, and we're still waiting for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, because they did a direct yeah, sequel. Yeah. So we're still waiting for that. And that's like, you guys couldn't wait, couldn't release this on Halloween. I mean, especially me being, this being what, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like my, my favorite horror film of all time. Like, ah, okay. The original, the original. I was like, which one? Like the original is like my favorite one of all time. Like, put it out, release it. Now. Yes. So, what are Thank your you so for um for 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 saying such wonderful things about the South African film industry? That's really it's really lovely to hear. Yeah. And yeah, and I think we we are very much a, a family here. We I think. You know, in the past, we we really had to fight for scraps, and we'd be like if we were getting bit parts, and the first guy who dies in the film. And over the years, as our industry has grown here, and more international stuff has come, been shot here. They've, mm-hmm. you know, industry starting to realize our crews are, are world class. It's taken them a little bit longer to realize that the the the, the acting talent is 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 as strong as it is. Yeah, but it's now and slumber party massacre was so great in the sense for us as south african actors that it was all the entire cast was south, was south african and normally we would be we'd really just be getting the scraps and it's given us an opportunity to have an, a full-on south african ensemble cast doing uh, an american film which uh, uh is you know it's massive for us and it's and it and it gives the opportunity for for younger actors in our industry to get a shot that they would never normally have, have gotten, like like uh, Mike we, over here. <laughs> yeah, like Mike, I, I, you know, Mike and Cameron and Diesel yeah. and yeah, those. Uh, Paul Bass, who played uh, one of the guys, it's, it's his first film as well, and that's because the, they had the whole movie to 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 cast here whereas normally there's like four or five parts that we're all kind of fighting over and it makes it very very difficult so it's it's very exciting for us i think in the industry that this is starting to happen and filmmakers and the industry is starting to to trust us yes and that's yeah and you know we're talking about um i spoke with alistair Orr last um last year also about uh triggered and also about how you know we have the South African directors now doing Hollywood films like Gavin Hood and Michael Matthews, you know they're from there and they're doing they're doing films internationally now. And I was like, you know, Alice, I was telling Alistair, you know, maybe mm-hmm. Trigger could be your your ticket to Hollywood because that was such, you know I like that what he did with it. And um, I spoke with some other South African actors like Chris Jofta. I spoke with him, and um, you know I really delved into the history of of the film industry there like recently and. I watched so much. I started watching so much stuff like Jamie Ice's stuff, like The Gods Must Be Crazy, and oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. And even before that, I actually saw his, his first film is actually on YouTube right now. It's called Dardell and the Bosfeld, which actually took elements, which okay. you can put elements into uh, Gods Must Be Crazy, wow. and you know, then I think it's gonna. It's the next five uh, to ten years in the South African film industry is going to be very exciting, and I think we're going to see a lot of talent starting yeah, to absolutely. to break through. 
lot of direct directors and a lot of actors and I think more and more stuff is going to be shot here we're going to get more opportunities so I, I feel like we're kind of on the verge of a little bit of a South African film renaissance which is quite exciting yeah and then we we were get, we start getting absolutely filmed. and yeah. I, I feel remiss go ahead <laughs> are you froze for I think second? Mike froze I think Michael froze but I was saying um, I was saying I feel remiss if I didn't uh, get too rude, I just pulled by. So yeah, I was I was talking about how um. You all right, Michael? <laughs> we lost you. I think. Okay, I think I'm here. Oh, there we go. Okay, we're gonna hear you now. Again, that's the was, good thing. About, just... That's the interesting thing with recording live, guys. We get we can get some of these glitches, but that's okay. <laughs> right now. But I was saying, like, I'd feel absolutely remiss if I didn't mention Ryan Kruger, the guy who's taken the world yes. by storm with uh, Fried Barry. I mean, that, that he's he's one of ours, man. He's South yep. African. And it's just incredible how that film has just taken on a life of its own. So, yeah, yeah there's some, I don't know what to, I don't know what we're putting into the water in South Africa. but We've got some very talented. So, yeah. And, get, and listen to this. We got we're getting films in the U.S. from South Africa that came out during the apartheid era. That was for black audiences back in the day. Mm. Like only for them. We're getting them here in the US. Wow. wow. Streaming. So I was like surprised at that. I'm like looking at I'm looking at the, the descriptions. I'm like, when did they make this movie and whatnot? And I, I looked at I did, of course, like Michael, I like to do my research on films because I'm a, I was a film studies major. So you know, that's right. how I got into this whole thing. So it turned like I was learning that he this one filmmaker, um, Tony Vandermerve, he rally to the government i want to make films just for the black audiences and he, he did that he made like over 400 films like Whoa. just just to them and then Whoa. they were lost after apartheid ended and then this company out of cape town called gravel road started refining these and remastering them and they're releasing Whoa. them internationally now so we're you know we're able to get some of that history of your film industry which i think oh, is awesome cool. that's so cool and I see the look on Rob's face, like his mouth is dropping right now. Like, <laughs> I watch, I gotta get, get get my hands on some of this stuff. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I think I, that's why I think it's amazing. Like this, the industry over there is just like, and then like you know, you always had international productions there, like um, you know, like, so, like during the '90s, some of my favorite martial arts movies were shot in South Africa. So that like you know, like Kickboxer Five with Mark DeCoscos, he was with James Ryan. Who was a who was a big actor over there in South Africa? He did a uh, Kill or Be Killed, Kill and Kill Again, which I have on Blu-ray over here somewhere. <laughs> and um, nice Gavin Hood, who is now a director, he, he's actually in the movie. He gets killed by James Ryan, so there's that big connection as well. So I think that's just that industry is just amazing over there. Wow, thank Ga Gavin Hood actually actually went to the same high school that Cameron and I went to. So it's like it's always so nice to see like a, a Saints boy. Nice. Like, yes, we did it. Like one of oh, us. Yeah, yeah. Like I got a. There's a guy who graduated the year after I did, and he's now a big TV actor in the U.S. Like, oh, wow. I've known him. I've known him because I, I graduated like like I've known him for like years, and then now he's this big TV actor. Um, so cool. Yeah. So I, I love that connection. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you never know who you're, who the guy sits next to you and Matt's is going to turn out to be. Him, so be nice. Exactly. I know. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is from my hometown in New York. So I'm wow. originally from New York. So just, you know, 
that's where I'm originally from. Yeah, I've been here 14 okay. years now. So. What part of New York are you from? So uh, I'm from like 30 minutes from the big city, um, Westchester County. That's it's Westchester. Right okay, up. so that's okay. It's up. Yeah, it's New right York above State. it. Yeah. So you have like my hometown, then Yonkers, and we're, you're in the Bronx, like right there, and then oh. you go right to Manhattan. So uh, I of course, think that's. That's, I think that's where Post Malone is from. He's also from like Westchester, that sort of Rochester, that sort of area. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I of course I grew up during the the eighties, so you know I'm like a total eighties movie fanatic, all that stuff. So I'm into, so that's why I love Slumber Party Massacre like so much. Like we all mentioned, is it paid homage to the original eighties film, and I you know I love everything eighties and all that stuff. So. Dope. Just like you mentioned with the sinks in your reaction video, yep, definitely quintessential eighties. Uh, the the little synthesizer scores, which I oh, which yeah. another thing I love that during the opening credits of the new movie, they had the exact music from that, and I can't exactly. I can't believe they put that in there. I was like, whoa, that's awesome! They they did they, it right, and they ba- and they based and they based it up because I mean, if you listen to like the original, it's like very sort of like um, stripped down synth. But that, that opening, like what I love is that they have the original synth line, but it's just based up at the bottom. And it was yeah. just such a nice touch. And it, it goes back to what we've been talking about, where it was something that created an entirely new movie while paying absolute homage to the original. And oh man, it was, it gave me goosebumps listening to that opening synth line. Yeah, this is hands down one of the best remakes of a horror movie I've seen. Like, I don't think I've seen I think the last best horror movie remake I saw was um Texas Chainsaw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of 2003 that's like that was a really good remake I mean they changed it up yet they still paid homage to the original in some senses and they also flipped the script now that I think about it where instead of hanging a girl on the meat hook they hung a guy on a meat hook so it's uh-huh. like I just you know now that I think about it so they they did some of that as well and yeah I think this Slumber Party Massacre is probably hands down one of the best remakes I have ever seen. That is high praise indeed. Thank you very, very much. Yep. And yes, Rob is a big part of that reason why. Like everything, everything about it, I can't like, I can't shut up about. Like last year, I couldn't shut up about Triggered. Now this year, I was like, I can't shut up about Slumber Party Massacre. Like, <laughs> yes. Love this podcast. Love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like this is hands down. Like I'm going to tell you, this is in my top five of the year, without a doubt like wow. this and then fried berry is also in my top five because that movie is just so surreal like that, that was just amazing i think that's going to be your next guest you got to get ryan and uh and mr barry himself on i think that uh from the interviews yeah, I've seen know, with the two it's people. funny because i i did interview ryan but unfortunately i had an issue with my computer so i couldn't get the audio for us so i was so mad but thankfully i have twitter and ryan does follow me on twitter so you know yeah, get him back Get him back on, man. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll plan. Probably something. one of the funniest interviews I've ever listened to. Like, he's just he's so he's so passionate about what he's doing. But yeah. I think I think no one is more surprised at the incredible success of this movie more than he is. And mm-hmm. it's just it's it's so sweet to hear him like this humble kid from South Africa, kind of like getting the sort of uh, reverence that he's getting, which is rightly deserved, by the way. Ryan, I love you, man. Like, I love your movie. Yes, and uh, yeah, d- I definitely want you guys on again, like, down, like, as well, because you, hey. you two are awesome, man. You're like, especially Rob. Like, we got, one day, we got to do a podcast about your legendary comedic career, because... Oh, please do that. All yeah. the stuff you've done, man. Like, 
you just the and her show that has to be one of the funniest things I've ever seen that you did because <laughs> you were just like you, you start out you start out you, oh my friend yeah you're, still, yeah, you're still, like you start out making fun of her and then you were like in this one uncomfortable like you just like totally totally uncomfortable like I know it was all for jokes but that thing was so funny like I've yeah. never seen anyone play off an interview like that so well and. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Wow. You've done, you've done your research. Yes. And I will tell you, we still make, we still have a running gag within the family. Um, whenever someone buys a Kit Kat, I'm like, don't leave it on the mantelpiece for three days because <laughs> it will start talking to you. And my son actually does the motions. He starts going like licking his arm. And <laughs> You've seen everything. Oh my yes. God. Yes. I had to, man. Cause I, I had to. And you know, when I heard, when I heard that you were playing, Russ Thorne. I'm like, I gotta do my research on this guy, and man, and then I saw all the funny stuff you did. And I was like, I was in tears, and then I was mentioning it to my coworkers as well at my day job, and they're like, "We gotta see this guy. This guy's this guy sounds funny." So I'm like, I would send them links, and they just like, "This guy's really funny." I'm like, "Yeah, okay. could you see him as a killer?" And they're like, "Yeah." You guys, I was like, "Well, then you're gonna have to watch Summer Party Massacre." <laughs> oh wow. But yeah, I've heard I've no, like I've I've only maybe read one or two bad reviews about the movie, but yeah, it's, been, yeah. it's really been um but, across the board very 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 well received, and I that's surprising. I was expecting a little bit more kind of some people love it, some people hate it. Yeah, but it's like 90 percent people love it. Which Rotten, is, yeah, Rotten Tomatoes actually gave it a one hundred fresh review, so that's like that's brilliant. <laughs> we'll take it <laughs> yeah i mean like like that's geez like yeah. uh, granted it's eight reviews but still i mean 100 percent fresh that's just mind-blowing it's humbling it's incredibly humbling it is man and man and michael man you're just like coming out of the woodwork man like you're you're virtually new like you know you're like a you're not really a newcomer anymore like you're pretty much you know, you start out with Triggered, and then you did Ubatina with two, which I seen clips, and you, dude, you're funny in that. You're just like, oh, like you were so sl- you're so slimy as Brandon. Like I know, <laughs> and the nu- the number of old ladies at the grocery store who were just like scolding me and saying like, how could you do that too? How could you yell at her? I'm like, I don't know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just playing a character. Come on, man. <laughs> but they don't care. They don't. Care. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, you're gonna have those old you're, like the the lady who plays uh, Betty in that show, Farida. She's yeah. like a national treasure, man. So for me to like yeah, every single take after every like cut, I'd be like, I am so sorry. Are you okay? Like, is everything? <laughs> like, do you want to go for another one? You know, but, I, uh, you know it's funny. The, the the guy I mentioned who I went to school with, who's a TV actor now. Um, his name is Max Greenfield. He was actually on Ugly Betty on in the U.S. version. He I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Oh my so god. We went to the same high school together. I graduated the year before he did, so I've known him since like grade school that and just for the record yeah so just for the record he's as funny off screen as he isn't like on screen that's amazing. like he's that's just awesome. as funny like hands down he's he's really funny well you well you tell max i said thank you very much because we actually i think i must have used him as a as a what's its source at some point yeah i'll have to so, reach out to him. yeah it's been a while but yeah. i'll have to yeah i'll definitely i'll have to like reach out to him and say y'all like i know this guy right here he's done he did uh yeah, I'll definitely I'll have to reach out to him again because it's been a while. But Fantastic. yeah, unfortunately, gents, I am going to have to be rude and uh, and log off quite soon. I have to I have to dash off, but no, I just no have worries. to say, 
no it worries, was, man. We did. Yeah, we we're yeah. I think we we're just about to wrap it up here because we did. Uh, this has been a great talk, man. We were over. I think we're clocked in over an hour, so that's good. Um, yeah, because yeah, Cam- Cameron's and I was like almost an hour and a half. Like we just like veered off into like our own little thing when we when we did our podcast episode. But yeah, so this has been this has been great talking to you guys. You guys are you guys are amazing. You know, you all got my email now, so we're definitely gonna keep in touch. In um, touch. Right. So yeah, so. I do have so for having yeah. us. You're so I do amazing. have one, so I do have one final question. Um, what's next for you guys? That's the that's my last question. Is there oh. anything that you guys are working on, like or upcoming? I think Rob, you mm. just finished something, then like you just finished an upcoming. Yeah, just, uh, two days ago, wrapped on a, a very very exciting um, uh, project for Netflix. I can't say. Oh yeah, you don't have to give anything details as that. But all he knows, he he does have a new project that he just wrapped up. So. Very exciting. It's, I think it'll, I think it'll be out. I think February, March next year. Um, I will say that it's the biggest. Uh, it's the biggest on-camera role I've ever had, and certainly the the uh, the biggest kind of dramatic arc. It's like a serious drama. It was my character goes through a lot, and it was an amazing experience. And I can't I can't wait for people to see it. So. When as soon as it's that's when we should do our next next yes. interview. Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. As soon as that, as soon as that's as soon as that's out, we'll we got we'll definitely have you back on here because cool. you've just been a delight, man. It's just you've just been awesome. Thanks so much. And I gotta say, special special thanks has to go out to Raina because she she's the one who introduced us. Yeah, thank you, Raina. So we love you. We yes. And Michael, what, what do we got next from you after this? Or, or are you just like taking it easy right now? Well, first things first, I have to say that if you want to keep up with any updates of Rob, follow him at Rob Van Furen at Twitter and, and Instagram. Rob yes. is flagging for you. I will but, have um, for the YouTube version, very, the link will be in the description. Uh, yeah, but I'm very much in the same position as Rob. I think I haven't stopped working since the beginning of this year. And uh, there's a couple of projects that should be coming out early next year, but uh, I have NDAs pinned under threat of death. So all I'll say is if you want to see the guy from Slumber Party Massacre be a grizzled military uh, PTSD survivor, as well as a little more of a comedic role, uh, I think February, March of next year is where you get to see that. Otherwise, um, at What's Potting, that's W-H-A-T-S-P-O-T-T-I-N-G, so slick, on either Instagram or Facebook and, uh, and Twitter. And just, yeah keep up with uh, the inane dog photos I post every now and again but yeah 2022 is going to be a good year I think and by the way you have to come to South Africa at some point and Rob and I are going to take you out for a few beers yes yes I yes that's definitely that's definitely something I got to do I've been wanting to go out there for a while now so yes I that's got to happen we are going to make that happen and guys Slumber Party Massacre is available on demand right now and on digital so check that out hopefully we'll get a physical release soon because I for one will be first line to buy it so I hope you all are too. Michael Lawrence Potter and Rob Van Vuren were our guests today. And I hope everyone stays safe and thank you guys again. And yeah, we're definitely going to keep in touch. And I hope everyone there has a great day. So take care. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. great day so take care thanks guys cheers guys bye-bye bye-bye